You're listening to Working, the show about what people do all day. I'm your host, Jordan Weissman, and I am back with my third and final holiday bonus edition for 2018. For this episode, I thought it would be fun to talk with someone who's responsible for one of my favorite parts about Christmas in New York City, and that is the Christmas windows that pop up all around Midtown in the big department stores. If you've been to the city during the holidays, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Bergdorf Goodman's, at Macy's, at Saks, at Bloomingdale's, at Tiffany's. Uh, They all do these big, uh, elaborate Christmas scenes in their windows. Some of them are kind of cute and traditional. Some of them are high fashion and theatrical with all sorts of mirrors and, you know, cool clothes and bright colors, machinery. Either way, you're going to hear from Quinn O'Sullivan. He is a production director at Spaith Designs in Woodside, Queens, and he's been in the business of putting together these windows for almost two decades now. And he told me all about how the magic happens. So enjoy. What's your name and what do you do? Uh, My name is Quinn O'Sullivan and I am a window display artist. And who do you work for? Who are you a window display artist for? I work for a private company that's been around for about 60 years. Oh, wow. And I... uh, What's it called? The name of the company is Spayeth Design. Yeah. And so they've been doing this for more than half a century. Uh, The the current owner's uh, mother and father started the company in 19... 60 something. And how long have you been doing this for? Uh, I started there the year 2000. So you do window displays, like just all kinds of retail, or do you mostly do holiday displays? Yeah. yeah. So about 80% of what we do is holiday. Uh, Believe it or not, we start working on holiday displays in sometimes April and May, depending on the customer's needs. Okay, so you, you're the guy who does the Christmas displays all over New York. What are some of the stores that so, you work so for? So I was just like on the way over here trying to do a rough calculation, and I would guesstimate I've done about maybe 400 Christmas windows in the past like 19 years, 18 years. 400 Christmas windows. Yeah. And can you just name some of the stores you've done them for? Um, all the big stores in New York, Macy's, Saks Fifth Avenue, Lord & Taylor, Bergdorf Goodman, Bloomingdale's, wow. Tiffany. This is very cool to me because I love Christmas in New York. I'm a New York native. My mom and I, as like a Christmas tradition, whenever she's back in the city, we always go down Madison and Fifth and, and just look at the displays and especially Bergdorf's. She just loves going and looking at the Bergdorf windows. And so it's very exciting for me to actually talk to someone who is responsible for this part of my growing up in the city. So for all the big stores, you've done over 400 of these. How did you start in this industry? How did you come into it? Uh, I, I came into it from the theater, growing up in a really interesting environment uh, where building and making things and creating and singing and dancing was, uh, you know, normal and something you did from the age, you know, eight on, yeah. on through. Yeah. And just being around all that and um, Wait, so you grew up like in the theater? I grew up, yeah. Uh, Were you a performer? Or a- I was. I was as a kid. I was performing in a local theater group where I grew up outside of Chicago. Okay, cool. And uh, had some great memories, you know, doing shows, yeah. putting together the, the scenery, yeah. also building things. Yeah. You know, as a kid, being around adults, watching them, helping them. Yeah. But, you know, I think that kind of sunk in. And so you got into the tech side and the scenery side from that. I did, yeah, yeah. And uh, 
I, I also just was a, a person who liked to make and build things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, tools. I was always interested in machines and tools and, you know, hoarding stuff that I could put in my toolbox, you know, when yeah. I was a kid. And so then you went into theater professionally at some point. In college, I, you know, worked in, in theater. I worked in the opera department okay. at uh, Indiana University, which has a really fantastic opera program. And so they have uh, these shops where they put together all these productions. And I was looking for a job and, hey, look at this posting here. I'll just go check this out. Wow. What a great place. I love this. This is fantastic. So I just was around that, not studying that, it's studying art, but uh, learned a lot of really great stuff around this this place, like living and you know breathing the scene shop and uh, putting together shows, really big shows and a huge stage. So you're putting together like the the background for like you know for like yeah. the marriage and, figure out yeah, or whatnot exactly yeah, yeah. and uh, some really crazy designs and you know massive scenery you know some of the backdrops we would paint you know fifty foot tall you know by eighty foot wide backdrops and um, with mops and you know yeah. you're out there laying out the the artwork out there on this giant drop and that sounds like the exact opposite of a christmas window though well that's i cannot imagine that, <laughs> maybe there is an 80 foot you know wide christmas window somewhere there, there but, are none no okay the, so how did you how did you then end up in this corner of like the scene building world so coming to new york you know for me new york was mecca and a place i wanted to live and after college i decamped to new york and uh started looking around and what you know what the hell am i going to do here scraping together ideas, a few contacts, and scouring uh, the Village Voice back then was where you went to look for a job. And yeah. uh, there was this, okay, what's this place? Check it out. Uh, Spaith Design looked it up, and this looks like a pretty good place. Uh, not hiring. Okay, well, keep trying. So I kept calling back, and one day they, they called me. It's It was actually right around this time. It was like December... 16th or something like that you'd think all the christmas windows would be done but they called me up they said oh, we need some help doing some work here so i went and uh that was it i was in and what was it about that kind of line of work that like really spoke to you like that it was just like your need work or it was uh, there was something you know, about the idea of doing this kind well, of well i needed project. to i need to you know i needed to be doing uh creative work that yeah. was for me crucial you know i could always make money renovating people's bathrooms or you know things like that i had some skills but for me the uh the passion was designing and you know colors and you know interesting projects i wanted to make things that were uh, exciting and new were you a big christmas guy like were you someone who liked christmas no, no I, I i grew up in a catholic uh you know going to church and yeah. all that stuff back home and german and uh irish and scandinavian background so you know christmas was a big deal for us i had some great christmas memories and you know we decorated and yeah. uh, always went and got a tree every year and uh, so, so okay so you, you you were a christmas guy definitely you're a holiday no guy. it's it's true and and even now to this day when i hire i hire everyone that works at spade design so you know you come and apply for a job there yeah you got to size somebody up when they come in and and think is this guy gonna bring a little spirit with them you you know you you have some people that come through the door that are technically you know incredible they can just make anything out of anything but they're you know they're coming at it from a 
from a horror movie background or something like that, you know, and they can just create, you know, their technical skills yeah. are just, just way up there. Well, they do a nightmare but, but, before but Christmas. But they just, <laughs> you know, you, you, you just have to kind of pass those people over because they just, you have to have a certain, uh, I don't know. Yeah, because you, you can't have Chris Kringle killing Mrs. Sa- no, or killing no. Mrs. Claus. Like you, you have to have, even if it's a ironic love of Christmas, it just you have to have some appreciation of it. You said you're dealing with these windows from April on through the holiday. So I mean, you're surrounded yeah, by yeah. it constantly. No, it's yeah, you get sick of it otherwise. You, you are the elves. We we are the elves. I believe it or not. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you you joined this company and I guess were you technically a, a designer or a carpenter? What was no? What was I came it? on as a carpenter. Okay, and uh, you know really didn't wasn't a, a, an expert carpenter. I was new to it, but I was had a I had a, a good background in different things. I was a guy in my twenties who went and lived in you know six different cities and did fifteen different jobs. Yeah, and went back to college at okay. age twenty seven and got a degree oh cool and uh so you know i I kind of came into it with a wide range of experience mm-hmm. which for this work was uh great because it's it's so varied you know we do a lot of mechanical work we do a scenic painting work we're sculpting we're we're wiring things elect- electric uh, av you know audio we're putting all these things together into the work. So having that background helped. I mean, how many people work on a single window? Uh, depends on the project, but you could have up to 15 people working on a window or, or more. We wow. have about 35 year-round employees yeah. uh, at Spathe Design and then another 15 to 20 freelancers when we get really busy. For the holiday season when it's right. heading to uh, crunch time. Yeah, from say September until Halloween is kind of when we're wrapping up. And a project that requires 15 people, I mean, how big a window are, are we talking there? So the bigger windows are about 15 feet wide and mm-hmm. about seven feet deep, maybe mm-hmm. nine feet tall. And uh, that's that's on the larger side. Uh, Macy's has windows that big. Lord and Taylor, mm-hmm. you remember them? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they were on uh, 38th Street over yeah. there. Yeah. God rest. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. The windows at a lot of the stores in Fifth Avenue are about 10 by 10 feet. Yeah. I mean, it's a room. In New York, that is actually, yeah. that's a bedroom. Exactly. Essentially. It's like a bedroom. It's not as deep. It's yeah. It's usually about six feet deep. Well, I mean, and, uh, that might oh, be a bedroom okay. here All right. in the yeah. city. I mean, but so, I mean, it's a large space that you guys are, are decorating and, and designing and conceiving. Yeah. And you guys have a workshop also. Yeah, I'm, talk- I'm describing you as elves, but like you guys actually, it is a big workshop in Queens, right? Yeah, we call it a studio. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's about 20,000 square feet. Okay, and, wow. And, uh, you know, you could play a couple of basketball games in there side by side and and know. what does it look like in there what is like what how what's the setup well it's it's a great setup we have tons of machines and any kind of woodworking metalworking machines that you could imagine because a lot of it is just you know cutting up wood making panels making decks and more mundane stuff but then you also have to do 
all of the detailed stuff and decorative things that happen in a window display. And that requires, in this day and age, CNC routers and 3D printers and laser cutters and all that kind of stuff that people use now to make things. So we're well outfitted. We have a paint studio where we do um, we do murals. Yeah. You know, we can stretch pieces of canvas on the wall and we have scaffolds that we can move around to, to get up and down and paint scenes. We have a mold making area that's really interesting. It's got a library of molds that go back to like 1987 for all the different sculpts that have happened throughout the year. So, you know, as you do these projects, you create a, a head of an elf or something like that, yeah. and you'll have somebody sculpt that out of plasticine or clay or something, and then you'll make a plaster mold out of it. And yeah. then you can, uh, you know, make duplicates of it. And we have a whole library of these things in the back, and it's just up to the ceiling with these things. And then on one wall, you've got this, really weird looking array of body parts you know <laughs> screwed to the wall with a little number next to it so yeah. it's mold number you know x92 and mold number x93 so you can go and as you're making these you know characters up you can grab these parts and compose them into a even prefab and you know it's like okay i can use this arm and this yeah, body so you don't have to start from scratch every time are you mostly making your the figures and these things from scratch or are you do you sometimes use mannequins you know it's really changing a lot of what we used to do is was all custom we would we would you know really just sit around with a pad of paper and start dreaming up ideas about what you know what are we going to do and how are we going to present it we might start with a germ of an idea like oh let's do you know, Christmas through the ages or something. We'll do a Christmas in, you know, old England or Christmas and, you know, Christmas around the world, for example. We'll do mm -hmm. a scene in Paris. We'll do a scene in, you know, you name the city. But then we'll, we would sit around and work on scenarios and, you know, oh, we can have a guy in a, you know, going up to a mailbox with a letter to Santa or we could you know, have a boat unloading cargo or something. So yeah. you, you dream up these scenarios and then create the vignettes out of these characters. So we'll have an old guy over here and then we'll have a kid on a bicycle and then you always need a horse and carriage, you know, for uh, for many years it was like a must-have item. If you didn't have that, just forget it. It had to feel know. a little bit like a Christmas carol yeah. or something. Yeah, it was a very traditional kind yeah. of image there. When would you start the brainstorming process? Was it you would come up with ideas and then pitch them to clients? Or was it clients would come to you and say, we would like you to come work on our windows this year and start thinking up stuff or we have something? Or... It's always a mix. Yeah. It's always a mix. So sometimes we do design it from scratch. Yeah. We'll storyboard it. We'll make models. We'll you know, develop it, color renderings, the whole thing. And that's, th you know, throughout our company, different stages and different people working on it, design team, you know, prop makers would make a little model of it. And, mm -hmm. and you'll do that before you've had an order or after you've had it, you, after you've kind of... Sometimes you do that on spec. So, oh, really? hey, we're, we're thinking about this project. You guys have any ideas? You know, we really want that job. Let's put something together and see if we can get them interested. 
Oh, interesting. So you will do it like a thing and come in and present that as as I'm not, a, yeah. I'm not recommending that. That's you know, th- please don't don't come to us with your project. <laughs> Give us really a down sick. payment, please. So for the most part, though, it's once you've agreed you're going to work with a company, Usually, you'll start. That's when the brainstorming will start. It, yeah, in earnest, if you want to really go forward with a concrete plan. But how often do the stores themselves have a good idea of what they want to do beforehand, and how often is it that you guys are the ones who are kind of coming up with it yourselves entirely? It used to be more fifty. Fifty. Mm-hmm. Now it's probably more like eighty twenty. Interesting. Yeah, so they, they the are stores. They, they tell you a lot more now. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the the concepts are coming from marketing teams. You know, it used to be that the window display manager in a store would have more leeway. Okay, he's over here. He's going to make up his mind on what to do and. You know, as long as it looks good, we're we're okay with it. But now it's you know it's tied into a national marketing campaign, or you know all sorts of other factors, and and people other people want to be involved. So a lot of times it comes down from on high. And so corporate's gotten a lot more involved with this. Also, I imagine really some have. of the stores they're no longer independent, and so you know I guess Bergdorf's is owned by Neiman Marcus, for instance. And so you know there's probably some more corporate involvement. We really only have a few customers because. A lot of the uh, stores are owned by the same parent companies. So there's been corporatization and consolidation, and that changes the way you guys have to work. It really does, yeah. Because you kind of gestured to that before. You said that um, a lot less of it is the total custom job where you're making the parts from scratch. It was more in the past. Now there's a little bit more, like, I guess when they're saying we want to do this kind of a thing, it's it's a little bit less made to order. Well, I, I think what I was getting at with that is that before we would be portraying scenes. Yeah. Very kind of theatrical almost scenes where you're, you know, you're almost like stage directing these things where you've got these little, you know, there's a child lift being lifted up by their father up putting the star on the tree and things yeah. like that. And now it's more about bigger motion and, you know, sometimes you won't even have a character in the window. It'll just be, you know, uh, animals or it'll yeah. be... um I don't know. It's it's just less of the uh, kind of moving theatrical pieces, stuff. We used to just do a lot of small characters moving around in the windows, and mm-hmm. just a lot of stores have moved away from that. They wanted like a we did a giant cuckoo clock yeah. one year, you know. So it was less about that storytelling than I just see. this giant spectacle. It sounds like you like the storytelling. That that's kind of what that that person, or do you like both? No, I mean, uh, I I think I I, I want to be entertained. I think everybody wants to be entertained when they're out there. They want to see something that gives them a little kick and yeah. gives them a little emotional kick. I like the emotional yeah. kick that you you know you kind of get a little feeling out of it. You're not just you're not looking just at it going, okay, but... that's nice. It's flashing lights and shining. Yeah. Ooh, you know, you want to go. Oh wow, that's really sweet scene they've got there. You know, look at that. That wow. Yeah, when you you know, I, I asked before if you're like a Christmas guy, like you are, I can tell. Like you're really I like, like it. yeah, I like you, it. I mean, you, know, you, you like, like the traditional, like really, you, you like the well, I guess Dickens is yeah, but the, you, the Christmas Carol kind no, of. I thing. enjoy it. I enjoy it. The so, but the rule in my house is just yeah. so you know, I do not do any decorating. It's just no. Well, that's the no, office. You can't no. bring the office home. I, I don't do it. Yeah, so I don't blame you. Um, you know, my wife asked me to take these lights and untangle them. I'm like, nah, listen, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Also, another key question I think I, I need to ask. I, I asked how many people are on the team. Who is on the team? Who are the people? They're like up to fifteen folks who will be yeah, working. Yeah, right. So you've got, uh, you know, we're we're department sort of organized by department. So we've got design, we've got carpentry. 
We've got what we call animation, which is all the mechanical movements. We've got a scenic department, which involves sculpting and painting, texturing, things like that. We've also got the character department that does molds and all the sculpting of the characters. And then, you know, all the costuming, imagining all the, all the, things that you all the uh, the characters that you create all have to have you know a shirt a, a pair of pants a you know two shoes a pair of glasses a hat it's you know yeah. it's a huge job to make all these things that are doll size and are the, the people on your team mostly coming from a movie theater background or yeah probably about 85 percent of us are theater people mm-hmm. that uh just wandered into this field and yeah. for better or worse, here we are. So you're a bunch of theater folks who are sitting around just brainstorming what you're going to do. So where does it go from there? Once you've talked out ideas, what, what happens next? This is a fun part of the project is, you know, really creating samples and studies and proofs of concept. And, yeah. hey, wouldn't it be great if we, you know, put this, you know, mix some glitter in with this uh, resin and we, you know, poured it all over this giant thing and let's see what that would look like so we'll go back and start playing with materials and uh experimenting you know because we have to make the windows but we also have to get our customers excited about the ideas that we have and to sell them so a lot of it is you know make a small section of the piece that you're going to make so that part of it's really fun to dream up and invent ideas and problem solve your way through the process to get this thing done. Is that something you are very hands-on in at that point? It's sort of the, the testing and... Well, and, for me personally, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm kind of involved in everything. I'm the traffic guy, really. I'm keeping people yeah. moving where they need to go and interacting with the customers and making sure that they're getting what they need. But I am also a hands-on guy. I, I didn't get into this to be sitting at a desk. So yeah. for me, I'm constantly getting up and heading over to the bandsaw to cut something out and work out an idea and see what it might look like. So you're doing some of that too. You're oh, not, yeah. yeah no, you're, it's, you're not just managing. You're getting Not at in. all. No, I'm yeah. I'm like a player coach, you know, so I'm yeah. really in the game doing doing uh work. So everyone once you've come up with the idea for the scene, you're and you're you're testing out different things and then how does that start to come together into an actual like like where does it go from there? Well, you you know, a lot of times we're making models. Uh, in this day and age, it's computers. Mm-hmm. It's all done in three um, D programs or possibly two D, with a kind of layered approach. Where we work up models in illustration board, whiteboard, mm-hmm. get out the laser cutter, and you know, let's mock this up real quick. And you can do those those models fairly efficiently. Mm-hmm. You know, operating a laser cutter is like operating a printer. So it's, you yeah. know, anybody can really do it. And you can quickly assess problems with an idea and, you know, get a sense of how something's going to read by making a scale model of it. And, you know, that also gets the customer excited about it. A lot of times, the people we deal with have to take this idea mm-hmm. to somebody back at the office and you know sell them on the idea somebody that we don't even deal with or talk to yeah. so they need something tangible that they can go back and say hey guys look at this this is great you know we really figured this out and isn't this a wonderful you know way of presenting this i assume you prefer doing the physical model over doing something on for computer. us more often than not yeah. yeah a physical model is uh what what kind of computer drafting software do you guys use? We use uh, Vectorworks mostly to generate the drafting. We, we also use, you know, the typical 3D stuff, Studio Max and things like that. Not so much SketchUp, but now and then people really, whatever a person's comfortable with, we have 
yeah. 15 different pieces of software that we could open up and use so to you get have, a job done. So you have the whole digital design side that you can do, but you also prefer, if you can, doing the physical mock-up then to give someone and to take to their boss or whatnot. Yeah, the other thing about it is that when you're creating the documents to make a model, you know, you're drawing this thing out, uh, a vector drawing of it, and that drawing can be used later on to feed to the CNC machine. So yeah. now you've got something that, number one, serves as a presentation, but then you're also taking that and scaling it up and using it to create sometimes very intricate pieces that you could do with the machine that we would have never been able to do 20 years ago. So digitization actually has given you guys a little bit more like you, you can do. Well, it's it has. It has made a lot more possible for the for the projects. Yeah. You mentioned that sometimes you'll notice problems in the design as you build out the model. Yeah. What kind of problems crop up when you're designing a Christmas window? Well, sight lines is, is important to us. Like, uh, you know, a lot of times we're trying to maximize the space and, and try to cram things in there that, you know, really there's not enough space to do. So you're, you know, you're, you're squeezing everything from front to back to fit into this scene. So sometimes you need to block the view of something so that it, it'll kill the illusion if you don't have the the pieces lining stacking up in the right way, for example. So, and, and a lot of times a 2D drawing doesn't tell you that. You make the model and you can crane your head around left and right and say, okay, when I'm looking at it from this side, this is what I see here. But, okay, oh, wow, over here, I'm seeing the back of that guy's leg and that, you know, he's yeah. supposed to look like he's in a hot air balloon and, you know, in this basket. It's a good way to preserve the illusion or make sure you're getting the illusion right because some yeah. of it, because you're not actually building a full hot air balloon. When no, get, sometimes, yeah. yeah, you're just making like a, just the part that you see is all that we care about, really. Yeah. And so you have to know exactly what it is the person can see and you, you have to preview that. Another common problem yeah. is making things too high. Interesting. So the kids don't see it because a oh, lot yeah. of, you know, we want to make it so that everyone that sees it can enjoy it. But a lot of times you, you know, you, you misjudge it by a drawing doesn't always tell you what you need to know. Sometimes, you know, we do a lot of cardboard mock-ups too. So mm -hmm. we'll, you know, take a pile of cardboard and just cut yeah. things out full scale and just hold them up and how big are they usually i mean are you doing full size usually, uh well we'll do cardboard mock-ups at yeah. a full scale okay so and, that, and that's what gives very you very inexpensive sense. to do and can save a lot of trouble down the road you'll do like the full nine by ten room in cardboard too, yeah sometimes it? and that's what lets you see if like the little kid is going to be able to crane their neck right way or something like that yes cool What's the best way to learn a language? Immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day in everyday situations. But if that's not on the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. I've used apps in the past to learn new languages, but when I came across Babbel, I wondered if it could help me refresh my knowledge of a language I once spoke well, but was now a little bit or quite a lot rusty. I have to say, I was impressed. The advanced lessons were really useful, tips and idioms that can help with in-depth conversations on topics that I can actually imagine chatting about. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and the tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. 
What's more, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for working listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for working listeners, at babbel.com slash working. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash working, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash working. Rules and restrictions may apply. So once you're doing that and the client is starting to see it, do you get like creative input from the client ever at that point? Constant, constant. You know, depending on the customer, some people are remote. Some people aren't even in our in New York. So yeah. we're dealing with people in other cities that we're you know, showing photographs to them or things like that. But no, everybody's uh, that we work with is heavily involved. And, yeah. you know, they're creative people too. They're in this because they love to make something new and make something that's going to get attention. And what's, what is a typical feedback? Is there a typical feedback, like some, a common complaint or a common request from clients? You know, one thing we are often asked to do is fill the space. So, you know, you really want to make it look, you've been to Bergdorf's and you know that those windows like look, it looks like an entire antique shop in one window sometimes. So every inch will be covered in mirrors or something along those lines. You know, everybody loves that look and it's fun to look at that. We all love that experience of looking at this crowded scene. I think it's partially because... You know, you wonder how it all got in there and how it, yeah, I did, yeah. I, I wonder anyway, maybe it, yeah. maybe people that don't work in this field don't wonder that, but I always wonder how would, did they get that stuff in there? Yeah. Like, how did they get that chair hanging off that ceiling? So that's the question you always wonder, like how did they get that volume of stuff? Or? Yeah, but then you're also just fascinated by what it is, of yeah. course. You're like, wow, look at this thing. Like, there's another one over there. Wow, there's this you know, icicle coming down and look at that little scene in the corner and all these hidden yeah. things that take you know, time to discover. You're standing there and you know, you... A lot of uh, window displays, you can look at it and in, in five seconds, you kind of, okay, I get it, I'm, I'm walking. But some of them, they draw you in. And what is it about that? What do you do when you stand there? Where you, are you? Yeah, I'm one of those people who kind of like goes and like I kind of scan the whole thing a little bit by bit. And I, try, I, try, yeah. I treat them like a museum exhibit, like the really good God. ones. Like, cause I mean, so they are, fun. I mean, you're, you're seeing, you're seeing all this craft work, but it sounds like there is this, um, kind of drive to, there, there's like this maximalist drive. Then as you're saying that people kind of want to get more stuff and yeah, fill it that up. That is, that is true. Yeah. You want it to be full and look full. And so that's a request that you're getting is like, get more, do more. Want, yeah. How can we fill it up? How can we make this look very yeah. detailed and rich and busy? Yeah. Busy. Is, well, I, I, busy sounds bad. It's like busy work. Yeah, no, busy it can sounds, be good, though. Vibrant. Yeah, vibrant. So that's the kind of thing that you'll be getting. I imagine that costs more, too, though. True. Are, are, yeah, they, yeah. Are, are they asking you to do more with less, or are they just saying, we'll pay for it? Well, you know, we, we have to work within the, the confines of their budgets. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's our job. I consider it my job to use good judgment to get them the best thing that I can get them for the budget that they have. You know, that's something that I try to train other people that I'm helping to learn this job. You know, you're not just there to, to, you know, spend as little as you can and keep as much profit as you can. You're there to help the person that you're working with to get 
the best possible thing with the amount of money that they have. You know, everybody has a limit. That doesn't mean that it, you know, it has to be a less effort. You know, it just means that you have to be more creative. It it means you have to um, be more resourceful. There's there are always ways. So, how long does this design process take for a window? Typically, I mean, you said some of these can start in April, so I imagine a while. The design process varies. The worst case scenario is someone coming to you a month before the window is supposed to open and say, "Oh." You know, we want to do something with you guys. Uh, can you fit us in? And sure, we we do. We're glad to work with people. And a lot of times you have to understand that they're not the person that is making the decision. It's a marketing thing. It's coming down from another person. So you're not going to get upset about it. The process can be done in a month. You can do a whole set of Christmas windows in a month. We We've done some really fast turnarounds where uh, we, we get a call. Normally all of our work is done by the second week of uh, November. A lot of times we'll get a call, you know, the day before Thanksgiving or, you know, the couple of days before Thanksgiving. We got an idea. <laughs> we wanted to, wondering if you can yeah. do this. And actually that's a great time for us because we're, we're so warmed up from work, you know, all this work and making yeah. things that we're ready to keep going, but, yeah. you know, we're done. So that's a great time to get the crew so you can really create in a in very short amount of time something amazing. Oh, interesting. Because ev- everyone else has already sort of got their windows at that point. So the, yeah, the people got, who make the really late got order. A crew available yeah. labor pool yeah. waiting to do something. And that's basically bonus. For, that's gravy for you guys because yeah. you weren't expecting to get that order right, for the season. Right, yeah. So in a way, that's actually good news coming in, that super Great late news. order. Yeah, we, we enjoy that. Yeah, the last minute order is that that's rare that anyone actually wants that in any business. So that's, that's interesting. When you are hired for one of these jobs, is it typically you're doing one window for a store and they're, when they have lots or are you doing a series of them? No, no. Usually we're doing a whole six window package okay. or more. You know, sometimes we'll do 14, 15 windows or maybe 20 sometimes depending on the store. So you can be planning out like six of these nine by 10 boxes and, and for the big stores or yeah. uh, so a whole storefront. Exactly. And how many clients will you guys take in a year usually? We will do anywhere from, you know, four to four to eight stores. Okay. Yeah. And and maybe not every one of those is all six windows or eight windows or whatever they have, but we will have the bigger jobs we'll, we'll do, you know, sometimes six or so. When do you go from the process of designing and planning out to actually installing these things? Well, it's an interesting process. It's it's a lot of pushing the rock uphill. You know, it's it's a lot of work done without knowing where you're headed. Okay. It's a lot of work that's done uh, guessing. You know, we don't know what color everything's going to be. We don't know the exact layout, but we got to make start making things. So let's get the guys going. We're going to divide this up. We're going to make pieces of this project. We we've seen a white model of it. We know the basic layout. Mm-hmm. A lot of times there are surprises along the way. Not only our customer might change their mind about something, or you might, after you see it in the flesh and, you know, made made up in real life, it's not what you thought. You know, this is a creative process. And I tell people that get hired, you have to be ready to change the plan yeah. in the middle of this. 
you, you never know. And don't, don't get disheartened by that. Get excited by that because what it means is that we're going to make it better. We're going to take this thing that's just okay and we're going to turn it up a few notches yeah. until it's incredible. Turn it, turn up the Christmas. It just <laughs> ramp it up. Ramp up the Christmas. Right through the roof. Get those reindeer revved. <laughs> so you're designing it. You're doing all this prep work. You've sketched it out and you've drawn it. So you have an idea for a color scheme and everything, but things change. You don't know exactly what it's going to look like until you get there. Yeah. So it's really great that the, the last week yeah. before you go to install, you've got so many people working on these things. You, you never really have a chance to put it all together. You've got all the scenery, you've got wooden decks and panels and walls and doors and units. And they're all, they've all got to be treated and wallpapered and gold leafed and glittered and you know, whatever the treatment is, you've got the characters in it that have to be sculpted, costumed, painted, you know, hair, makeup, the whole thing has to be created by people and it just takes time. And so you can't put all these things together to see it all together. But at that, right before you install it, it all comes together and these these pieces emerge out of the different rooms yeah. and they just come together in the middle and you get that first, wow, look at that, how that all came together. So you do stage it in your studio at some we, point. Yeah, we have to set everything up beforehand. You, you, do, you do have a full thing. I mean- to me, it's like impossible to imagine setting up some of these windows and then taking them apart. Like some of the, the, the really high volume ones. It's like the idea of doing it more than once is just beyond me. It's, it's a lot of work. It really is. And it takes a lot of people to do it. You know, you're working at late hours. You're mm -hmm. working when the store is closed to put it together. And Where do you do that staging? Do you have like a set of, you know, fake windows essentially in the studio that like, okay, this is for a space this size and this is for one this size or? Yeah, we set it all up in our studio and depending on the store, you know, some of the stores have different features. They'll have frames around the windows or sometimes it's just open glass and we will set it up and try as much as we can to make it the right height so that it simulates your, your viewing point. Yeah. from standing on the sidewalk so that you you know you could tell if kids are going to be able to see it and we try to put them in order because yeah. sometimes there's a composition there's a color scheme that if you stand back from all six windows you want to be able to see how they read you don't want all the blue ones next to each other or all the night scenes next to each other you have to put them in a way that makes the whole thing work yeah. so you do the staging to get all those details and to make those final decisions that helps and so at that point you know what the thing's going to look like. There's still that when you put it in the store, there are often pieces that have never been put in. As much as we hate to do it, yeah. there are sometimes just limitations on time that you know you don't get all the pieces together. So, Can you give me an example of what kind of thing might happen? Well... Like so, what's something that's really hard to get into a store? Right? Sometimes things don't... Well, they, they, they almost always fit. Yeah, there have been cases where we've had to cut things down to yeah. fit it around a you know a cosmetic case or something like that. Um, but the the other thing that happens is when you get to the store, you've got lighting. We we do preliminary lighting in our studio, so we understand how it's going to look. But the stores have lighting systems and lighting designers. We either have lighting designer on our mm -hmm. team that gets involved. Or the store will have a lighting person, and so when when the lights go on, that's when the the features can really be seen in their full 
it's like it, I mean, you are you're lighting a theater set in a lot for the bigger ones, and so that changes that can change so much about the way something looks depending on how the what you end up with. Yeah, you know, you could do a a, a crummy lighting job and make the windows look less amazing, uh, but a good lighting person can really transform do what the, you see. Do you your own lighting person that you bring to the store? Or do they? Have it, their, it varies. Sometimes yeah. we do the lights too. Okay. I mean, the ones who've been doing this for a while, again, the Macy's, the Bergdorf's, the like Lord and Tate, well, are again, RIP. But yeah, they, they know what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, a lot of the all. stores have lighting people. Yeah. Because so they, they're, they're doing window displays year round. So they have people there that will do those window displays. I mean, how often do stores still have their own pros that that do their displays? All the stores we work with have teams. Oh, yeah. And they're all involved to some degree or another, some more than others. So what role do they play? The stores have some incredible people working in them, and and each store has its own style too, remember, and their own kind of stamp that they put on it. So a lot of times we are there up until a day or two before the windows open, and then a lot of times we hand it over to the store, and they'll put their own finishing touches on it. So you eventually have to hand over your creation to someone else then to take care of it and possibly even do like the finishing touch. Yeah, you'll you'll be surprised sometimes by what gets done. Like what? Like what kind of oh, thing will they add? D- details back in the old days of actual Christmas trees and, you know, reindeer and things like that. We would walk away from a window display and then come back and see that, you know, there's a whole next level of Christmasification that gets done to these things, <laughs> you know, little berries and bells and yeah, you know how Christmas is. You you know you you're basically filling your environment with stuff. Yeah. Is the way I see it. Like, what what are you doing when you're putting Christmas decor in your house? You're putting stuff. You're putting little bits of the light is yeah. important. Everyone likes the glow of a Christmas tree and the the nice, magical, warm light that those give off. Yeah. And greenery is important. So a lot of times you're adding garlands and decor around, you know, banisters of staircases and all that traditional stuff, wreaths on doors. You could put a wreath on anything, put a wreath on a taxi cab, put a wreath on, you know, a guy's T-shirt. So there's always extra Christmas that can't be added. You can always go higher. You can always go a little you can, further. You can put some cute scenes in there, put, you know, a cup of tea next to somebody or a, put a, hat, a Santa hat on somebody at a party or, you know, they're just endless opportunities. You might hand off this scene that you painstakingly put together and someone will say, that's a lot of Christmas, but it could be a little bit more. And that's like, that's the impulse is to, to do that more maximum Christmasifying thing. It's satisfying to look at an environment that's crowded with all this yeah. stuff and light and little bits of decor. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Oftentimes in Christmas windows, there there'll be people or mannequins and they're wearing like a costume, or sometimes it's sometimes it's actually just clothes that are on sale as well. 
how does the costuming work? How is that? So part of most it? of the Christmas windows that you see in New York, going back, I would say four or five years previous to now, did not have many mannequins in them. They were mostly all about Christmas. They were they were about you know the scene would be a theme that had nothing to do with fashion. There are some stores that always have that mannequins and that are about the fashion. Bergdorf is one of them. They always have mannequins, but all of the all of the characters in in a scene would have to be dressed, and a lot of work goes into that. Most of the people that do the work in this feel our, our legitimate costume designers. We have some incredible people that have been working with the company for decades, yeah. 30 years, maybe more working on costumes and some incredibly talented people that create these yeah. costumes from scratch. And they have they have a lot of fun. These people love this job. It's exciting you know you're you're just pushing the glitter and the you know shiny and the the glamour and yeah. the, the elegance uh just through the roof with these things and that's exciting to look at and see what is an especially technically difficult display that you've had to do we have an incredible mechanical department at space design so the windows that we do typically have motion or machines or or some sort of mechanism in them. So the the mechanisms that we've done over the years are just incredible. We've got some fantastic people. David Spath, who owns the company, is an engineer and has kind of brought that interest to the business and has really pushed to incorporate machines in the windows. So there have been some really interesting movements and things. There was a roller coaster that was done a few years ago yeah. uh, that had a working Santa and reindeer that would move around the window oh, cool. know, over and over and over again. Are, it was fantastic. As a designer, are you is your first impulse to think of sort of a set, or, or, or are you also going into it thinking, how can I get a sort of mechanical motion a- aspect into here? I'm really I'm I'm, I'm a tough tough customer. I want it to look amazing as much as anybody. So I'm picky about what I like. A lot of things I I just really love and a lot of things I, you know, I'm not afraid to, to not like it. But, you know, at the end of the day, there are moments in the process. A lot of times we're there really late at the studio and, you know, you've been working 14, 16 hour days for a month and a half and you're you're kind of out of it and you're kind of in this la-la state, you know, and you're going home at two in the morning sometimes and you're there finishing the windows with other people and you're you're there, you've eaten pizza, you've eaten Indian food, uh, you've eaten two dinners and you're you're just done, but you're, you're ready to go home and you turn out the lights and you notice, wow, look at the lights are still on on that display back there. Let's go Let's go take a look at that thing. And and you walk back there with one of your colleagues and you're looking at this thing in the dark and it's quiet and, you know, it's 2 a.m. And you, you know that you've done something great when you just stand there quiet and you're just gazing at this thing that you made and just kind of smiling going, wow, yeah. look at that thing. Incredible. Like the night before opening night. Yeah. It's a great feeling. When you disassemble these windows, what happens to the stuff? Oh, my gosh. Should I say this? Yeah, no, tell me. Oh, my God. Uh, 
there are there are a lot of times where it, it literally is a garbage truck sitting out at 3 a.m. on Fifth Avenue, and it, it's it's going right into the garbage truck, which is sad, but also satisfying. <laughs> it's at least it means it's it's all done. Um, it's it's uh, job security, I guess, because you're always creating new. It's very wasteful too. I have a colleague who I've worked with for you know, 15 years, and we were talking about it recently. And he's like, you know, this working in this business, I, I, I have this thing, you know, when I'm driving down a country road and I, I see a barn or a warehouse, I think, God, would all the stuff I've made, like all the garbage I've created fit in that? Would it fill that barn? <laughs> it's, it, you know, That's it's, so it's, it's depressing. <laughs> it, it's depressing. On the bright side, there is a, a wonderful man named Mark Kloss is his name. He's a fantastic guy. He's got this uh, Christmas museum almost. It's yeah. in uh, Medina, Ohio called Casa Noel. It's fantastic what he's done. He's taken a lot of the displays that we've created before we even knew him. He was collecting displays from department store warehouses that were, you know, the contents of this warehouse will be auctioned off and, and, and abandoned materials and stuff like that. He found, I don't know how, but he found a lot of old displays that we have had created and he, he figured out who made them and he called us up and we got to know Mark and he's assembled this fantastic museum of Christmas displays in Ohio. I guess mostly from New York. I haven't actually been there to see it, but the the pictures are most of it seems like it's from New York. And he lets people there see the displays, which is really fantastic. So, someone's keeping all this design alive. It's it's Essence. great to see. You, you know, you hate to see these things go into the garbage truck. It's sad. The truth is that there's just no way to store it all. Yeah. Thanks for chatting about this. This has yeah. been a lot of fun, man. Thank you. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's it for this episode of Working. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. And otherwise, you can send us an email at working at slate.com. I'm your host, Jordan Weissman. Working is produced by Justin and Molly. And as always, a special thank you to Justin D. Wright for the ad music. Join us again on Sunday for a regularly scheduled episode where we'll be continuing our series about the Museum of Modern Art. 